Just want to welcome everyone to our Sunday school class. Glad you guys could make it out. And uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the, the deep and profound mysteries that are found in your word. There's so many different layers and facets to your word, so many different angles that you can uh, look at the word of God from, you know, not just from a linguistic perspective, uh, you know, or a cultural perspective or a historical perspective, uh, from a mathematical perspective. I just heard some very fascinating things recently of uh, mathematics and the word of God. And uh, it, it just goes to further prove that it's a supernatural book. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, as we desperately try to uncover the different layers and the different stratas of the deepness and profoundness of your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit be our tour guide and help us to understand the comparisons and the parallels and the mysteries and the uh, things that, that you're trying to hint at and allude to and uh, the deep spiritual profoundness of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would prepare our hearts and minds uh, to not only read your word, but to understand it and comprehend it, but also to apply it to our lives and not let that be the end result, but the end result being that we share it with someone else, that we bring uh, what, you, what, what you've brought to us that caused us to grow, that caused us to have more life, that we might uh, pay it forward, if you will, pass it on. So Father, bless the uh, teaching and uh, speaking and reading of your word this morning. Uh, help me, Father, to be clear, concise, and articulate, and I pray that you would anoint my lips and allow me to be your megaphone this morning, that you would speak through me, for it's in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Okay, so we're not going to be in a particular chapter today for our Sunday school class. Uh, we're about ready to go into the chapters dealing with the life of Joseph, but before we do, I want to take time to really talk about Joseph. Uh, how Joseph is an extremely prophetic character, how he is a type of Messiah, how he is a type of Christ. And there are over 100 parallels between the life of Joseph and the life of Christ. Uh, I'm, we don't have time to get into all those 100 different parallels, but I'm, hopefully for the next couple weeks I'll be able to bring out approximately 70 different parallels that links Joseph to Yeshua. We know uh, in, in Judaism that they had two pictures of Messiah, and one of them was Messiah, son of Joseph, Moshiach ben Yosef, and Messiah, son of David, Moshiach ben David. And, and the great stumbling block to the Jewish people is they could not reconcile or could not understand how these two diametrically seemingly opposed Messiahs could actually be one and the same. Because when Yeshua came the first time, they expected Messiah, son of David, to liberate them from the Roman occupation. Little did they understand and know that Messiah, son of Joseph, was to come first. And he was to be the suffering servant uh, to redeem Israel from their sins. So Messiah, son of Joseph, is called the suffering Messiah, the suffering servant. Messiah, son of David, is the kingly Messiah or the conquering Messiah. And it's interesting that because of the Judean lineage of Yeshua, we know that he is a direct descendant of King David. He is a son of David, therefore he has the legitimate right to sit on the throne of Israel. But ironically, he's also the son of Joseph because that was his surrogate father, right? I mean, he didn't physically father Yeshua, but when you are adopted 
by a Jewish uh, person, you are legitimately part of that family. Jacob never sired uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, but they are considered legitimately part of the 12 tribes of Israel because he said, Joseph, I'm adopting Ephraim and Manasseh. And whatever children you have after that can go by your name, but they're going to go by my name. They're adopted into me. So interestingly enough, Jesus is also the son of Joseph, Joseph the carpenter. And I think it's an interesting play on words there. Now, it's interesting that in the Hebrew language, there is no J sound. There is no letter J in Hebrew. So it's, that's why I say Yeshua instead of Jesus, because Yeshua is... Jesus' real Hebrew name. Now, Joseph is Yosef, or Yosef. And so you might hear me use that. Uh, all right, so let's get on into the uh, parallels between Yeshua the Messiah and Yosef, Joseph. The first thing I want to bring to your attention, now, because we're not going to stay in any particular passage, don't worry about flipping through, because we're going to be covering a lot of ground scripturally, but you are more than welcome to take notes and write down these parallels that you could read up on and check up on later, because I'm going to give you a lot of scriptural citations. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is that both Jesus and Joseph had miraculous births. We know that, that Joseph, his father Jacob, was 90 years old. A lot of men by that time would have been sterile. Uh, they would have had difficulty being intimate with their wives. But we also know that Rachel was barren at the time. The Lord was not allowing her or permitting her to have children. Her womb was barren. Now we know in like manner that Mary was a virgin. She had never intimately been with a man. So to have Joseph and Jesus both come on the scene, both of their births were miraculous. In Genesis chapter 30, Verses 22 through 24, it says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Yosef, or Joseph. Uh, May the Lord give me another son. Now, as far as Jacob or Israel goes, it says in Genesis 37.3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. And in, in regards to Yeshua, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Yeshua the Messiah was as follows. When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, in other words, before they had sex, before they were intimate, before they consummated the marriage, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that uh, engagements in the Jewish world were way more serious than here in the Western world. If you get engaged and decided it was a mistake, you can just say we're no longer engaged and that's that, no big deal. But in Judaism, if you were engaged, you were as good as married. You literally had to get divorce papers written up by a lawyer in order to become unengaged. Now, this past Saturday, in synagogues all across the world, we started reading in Genesis 1-1 again. Went from Genesis 1 to Genesis chapter 6. And that was the Torah portion for this week, and it's called In the Beginning. And we know that it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was up on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. What was about to happen 
in Genesis, new life was about to be birthed. A, a recreation was about to happen, and it was going to come from the watery depths of this chaotic world. Now, it's interestingly enough, when a child is born, they break water. So a womb is a type of world. A womb is a type of water world, just as the chaotic earth was in Genesis 1-1. The Spirit of God hovered over the, the, the waters, and all of a sudden, be light made, and then, you know, the six days of creation. Well, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was hovering over the chaotic world in Genesis 1-1 is the same Holy Spirit that was hovering over the womb of Mary and miraculously spawned life from nothing, from a virgin, and in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. This kind of hints of another parallel that we're going to get into a little bit later, but because Yeshua, Jesus, has the throne of David, and became ruler over all Israel, in like manner, Joseph kind of sat on the throne of Egypt and became ruler of all Egypt, second only unto Pharaoh. So both Jesus and Joseph had miraculous births. The second thing I would like to point out is that both Joseph and Jesus spoke truth in exposing sinful behavior of others, knowing he would be hated and ostracized as a result. Sometimes we keep our mouth shut because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to get them mad. And even though we're, we know we're telling the truth, sometimes we're thinking, is it really worth this person going off on me for telling him the truth? So sometimes we keep our mouth shut. But this didn't happen with Joseph. In Genesis 37.2, it says, These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. So because he was kind of telling on the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah things that they were doing wrong to their father and got in trouble by their father, uh, his brothers didn't like him. He was considered a tattletale, even though he was speaking the truth. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, it says, Then the disciples came and said to him, said to Yeshua, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? Even though Yeshua knew that the Pharisees would get mad at him for speaking the truth and, and saying what he said, it didn't stop Yeshua from saying it anyway. And in Luke chapter 20, verse 19, it says, The scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him, that very hour, and they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke a parable against them. So we see this is another interesting parallel where both Yosef and Yeshua, Joseph and Yeshua, were both speaking the truth about their brethren, and they were hated as a result. Now, Jesus was re related to the Pharisees, because the Pharisees came from the Jewish and Levitical tribes. And Jesus was from the Judean and Levitical tribe. His mother had uh, Mary. She was related to the Levites because she was cousin to Elizabeth, who was married to a priest. And priests could only marry those in the Levitical tribe. So she had Levitical blood in her. But the, but the son always goes by the father's genealogy and lineage. 
And not only did, did uh, uh, Mary had Levite blood in her, she had Judean blood in her, just as Joseph had Judean blood in him. And Joseph was a direct descendant of King David. So the Pharisees were Jesus' brothers, just as the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah were Joseph's brothers. And they both spoke truth and were both hated as a result. Now, Joseph and Yeshua were both shepherds. In Genesis 37, 2, it says, These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. So there we see that Joseph was also trained as a shepherd. And in John 10, 11, this is what Yeshua said. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So there's another interesting parallel. It goes even further. Both Joseph and Jesus were beloved sons of a wealthy father. In Genesis 37, 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored, a various colored tunic. Now this coat of many colors was a symbol. It, was, it wasn't just, okay, here's a fancy suit for you to wear, son. This multicolored robe was well known for being symbolic of this is the son that's going to get the inheritance. This is, go this is going to be the son that's going to be the next patriarch, the next leader of our clan, of our tribe. And so J Jacob had already put in his mind that he was going to um, you know, let Joseph rule the family. Because if you'll remember, there's some people who lost their firstborn privileges. Reuben... Uh, slept with, his, uh, with, with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah, and therefore he got bumped from being firstborn. You had Simeon and Levi who were next, and they got bumped because they killed all the Shechemites. So, you know, at this point, Jacob could appoint any one of his sons that he wanted to, to be, uh, to be a, a head or a patriarch. Uh, so we also see, and uh, we talked about this various colored robe or this various colored tunic. In Revelation 1.13, it talks about Yeshua being dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. That was another garment that was symbolic of rulership and leadership and authority. And in Matthew 3.17, it says, And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the parallels between Yeshua and Joseph go even further. They were both hated by their brothers without cause. In Genesis 3, or 37, 4, it says, His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Now, when we greet each other, we say hello. Hello just doesn't really mean a whole lot. Hello just means hi. But when you're greeting somebody in Hebrew, you say shalom alechem, which means peace be unto you. That is the greeting to say hello, to say goodbye. And it means hello, goodbye, but it also means I wish peace for you. I wish my best for you. But it says here that his brothers could not even greet him peaceably. In other words, they never said shalom alechem to Joseph. They hated him so much they couldn't even greet him that way. And in John 7, 5, it says, For not even his brothers were believing him. Wait, yeah. No, okay, let's go back. In Genesis 37, 8, it says, Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? 
Are you really going to be ruler over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So this just kind of emphasizes the hatred that Joseph's brothers had for him. And likewise, Jesus' brothers, not just his, his uh, Judean relatives by tribe, but his literal brothers thought he was crazy and didn't like him. Because in John 7, 5, it says, for not even his brothers were believing in him. At one point, Jesus was speaking to a big crowd, and somebody said, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside wanting to speak with you. And in some passages, it says, They said that Jesus was beside himself, that he was out of his mind. They didn't believe his claims, and they were ready to take him away for his own good. And then Jesus said, Who is my mother and who is my brothers? Those who keep the word of the Lord are my mother and my brothers. And in John 15, 25, it says, But they had done this to fulfill the words that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. So that is a fifth parallel between Joseph and Jesus. And it goes even further. Both were hated for telling the truth and for prophesying. When you prophesy, it's not like you're just pulling a story out of your imagination and pawning it off as the truth. When you're prophesying, you are directly giving words of God to everybody else. This is what the Lord revealed to me. This is what the Lord told me. Don't shoot the messenger. But yet Joseph, as well as Jesus, were both hated for prophesying. In Genesis 37, 5, it says, Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Now, we just think of dreams as dreams. But back then, they took dreams way more seriously than we do, because God spoke to people in dreams. We see it uh, when um, you know J uh, Jacob's ladder uh, spoke to him in a dream. We see even Joseph uh, at the birth of Christ that several different times the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and says, go to Egypt or move back because the people who wanted to kill Jesus is dead. And you know, so the Lord revealed things in dreams. Now in uh, John 840, it says, but, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham uh, did not do. So we see that Jesus told the truth. He prophesied. Matthew 24 is all about prophecy. You know, he prophesied and the Pharisees and, and the Jewish people hated him as a result. So we see another connection there between Jesus and Joseph. They were both for they both foretold the future exalted positions as kings. In Genesis 37, 5 through 8, it says, Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, likewise, with Yeshua, it says in Matthew 24, 30 through 31, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together 
his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. And likewise, in Matthew 26, 64, it says, Jesus said to them, or said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of, of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Joseph's brothers got all bent out of shape because of this prophetic dream Joseph had that he was going to be the head of the family, going to be ruler over his brothers. And likewise, the Pharisees, Jesus' brothers, hated him because he talked about sitting at the right hand of God, which they said, that's blasphemy. You're, you're putting yourself on par and, and equal with God. They hated him because of this prophetic future uh, uh, prophecy of kingship. Now, both Joseph and Jesus were destined to become kings from birth. In Genesis 37, 8, then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and because of his words. And in Luke, I have to actually turn here for this one. In Luke chapter 2, Uh, hang on just a second here. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through uh, 34. I have all these typed out except for this passage right here. All right. Then there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, that is, being circumcised on the eighth day. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you have promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples and the light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to the people of Israel. His father and his mother were amazed at what he had, been, what he had said about them. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then it also says in John 18, 37, Therefore Pilate said to him, So, you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So clearly from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Comparing Joseph to Jesus, we see that they were both destined to be kings from birth. And also, both parents, the parents of Joseph and the parents of Jesus, treasured in their hearts the news that their child would be future king. In Genesis 37, 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And in Luke 2, 19, it says, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Have you been blown away yet by what we have discovered? Did you even conceive or, or, or even imagine that there could be so many parallels between Joseph and Jesus, Yosef and Yeshua? Well, we're just getting started. 
We've only covered about 10 of them up to this point. Both Jesus and Joseph were persecuted out of jealousy. In Genesis 37, 11, it says, His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And in Acts 7, 9, it says, The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt, yet God was with him. So even in the midst of persecution, God was with Joseph just as he was with Jesus. There was a certain point where a couple times where Jesus escaped a premature death, where they brought him to the edge of a cliff after his sermon in a synagogue, ready to push him over, and it says that he passed by right through them and escaped. And in Matthew 27, 18, it says, For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. So why was Jesus led off to Pilate, and why did the Sanhedrin get all bent out of shape? It was because of envy, because of everything that was taught and prophesied about Yeshua. And in Mark 15.10 it says, For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Basically saying the same thing as Matthew 27.18. Now both Joseph and Jesus willingly went at their father's request and authority. In Genesis 37.13 it says, Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said, I will go. At this point, Joseph knew his brothers didn't like him. At this point, Joseph knew they probably had something schemed against him. At this point, Joseph knew that his brothers couldn't even speak peaceably a word to him. He possibly had an inclination he could be in danger. But did he say, no, 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 pops. All my brothers hate me. Send one of the servants. No, he said, I will go. And in John 8.42, it says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on mine own initiative, but he sent me. So we see uh, all these parallels up to this point. Now also, remember in the garden when Yeshua was praying, he said, Lord, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That even shows Yeshua knew he was going to his death, but nonetheless, he was willing to to go uh, right into that dangerous situation. Okay, so now they both, Jesus and Joseph, both lived with uh, with their father before being sent out on a divine mission. And in Genesis 34, uh, uh, 37, 14. Then he said to them, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Compare that with John 17, 5. It says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So all the brothers were pasturing the sheep in Shechem. Joseph was home with dad. And dad, Israel, Jacob, said, son, go and check on your brothers. Compare that to uh, John 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. So Yeshua was in heaven with God before God sent him to earth on his mission. So they were both with with their father before being sent out. Both Jesus and Joseph were ridiculed for being a king. 
In Genesis 37, 19, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. And what were these dreams about? The dreams about Joseph becoming ruler over his brothers. Now, when God declares something, it's a done deal. All God had to say is, Joseph, you are going to be king one day. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Joseph was a king at that point. And he was ridiculed for his prophetic dreams. And in Luke twenty-two sixty-three, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. Jesus was the king of kings, lord of lords, left the glory of heaven. He was born a king of the Jews. The wise men came to see him. The shepherds came to see him. It doesn't matter what Herod thought. It doesn't matter what anybody else said. Jesus was king regardless of what any man said. And yet, just like Joseph, Jesus was ridiculed, this by the Roman guards, because of his claim of being king. Both Jesus and Yeshua, or Yeshua and Joseph, were plotted against by their own brothers. In Genesis 37, 20, Now then come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast devoured him. And let us see what will become of his dreams. Compare that to Matthew 26, 4. And they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. Matthew 26, 15. And said, what are you willing to give me? Uh, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. And in John 11, uh, 53, it says, So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. So Joseph's brethren plotted to kill Joseph. Jesus' brethren, the Jewish people, plotted to kill him. Even one of his own disciples was in on this plot. Now, it, it was said, of jo- said to Joseph, let us see what will become of his dreams. And it was said of Yeshua, he trusts in God, like God rescue him. If he delights in him, for he said, I am the son of God. So I think that's very interesting. And in Genesis 37, 20, it says, now then let us come and kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him, and let us see what becomes of his dreams. And in Matthew 27, 43, it says, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he delights in him, for he says, I am the Son of God. Now we see a comparison as well with the pit that Joseph was put into, as well as the tomb that Jesus was put into. So we see in Genesis 37, Genesis 37, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and without water. And in John 19.23, it talks about the Roman soldiers also stripping Yeshua of his garment, of his robe. And in Matthew 12, 38 through 40, it talks about where Jesus likens this tomb that he's going to be uh, deceased in for three days and three nights 
as the sign of Jonah, just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And some Jewish scholars and rabbinic traditions believe that Joseph was in that well, in that pit for three days and three nights. Both Joseph and Jesus suffered bitterly at the hands of the brethren. In Psalm 105, 17 through 18, it says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself laid in irons. And in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when Joseph was brought out of the pit and his brother sold him into slavery, they put him in irons. They put him in chains. Quite possibly, they put a yoke on his shoulders and chained him to that yoke, which would look like Jesus carrying the crossbeam of his own cross. So it's very interesting how these things parallel. We already mentioned before that they were both stripped of, of robes. In, in Genesis 37, 20, Joseph was stripped of his robes, uh, and it was divided up, right? And it was dipped in blood, and they went to their father and said, oh, wild beasts must have ate him up. And we see that Yeshua was stripped of his robe at the cross, and it was torn. Uh, there was one that was not torn, but there were other garments that he had that was divided, uh, and they gambled over. So we also see that Joseph's brother Judah offered to sell Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. And Judas, which is the Greek word for Judah, sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You're like, well, that's a nice comparison, Pastor. But you said 20 pieces of silver and 30 pieces of silver. Think about inflation. Twenty pieces of silver was for a slave back in Joseph's day as compared to 30 pieces of silver in Yeshua's day. And it's interesting that it was both a Judah, or Judas, according to the Greek, that sold Joseph and Jesus. So there's another comparison there. All right. Now, the leaders attempted to rescue him from the hands of the brethren, Reuben the eldest and Pilate. So we see Reuben tried to rescue Joseph, and Pilate tried to rescue Jesus. So there's another parallel in comparison. Genesis 37, 21. But Reuben heard that he rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. We know that Reuben did this because he was trying to get back into good graces with his father after sleeping with Bilhah. And we see that really never happened. It was never the same between him and his father. Compare this to Matthew 27, 24, where it says, When Pilate saw that he, that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather, as a riot started, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And John 19, 12, it says, And as a result of this, Pilate made effort to release him. Just as Reuben tried to rescue Joseph, Pilate tried to rescue Jesus. As a result of this, Pilate made an effort to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar, and everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. 
So these parallels are getting more deep, more intricate, more interesting. How can you say that the Bible is just a book written by man? You could have not have planned this or plotted this out even if you tried. Where Genesis Genesis was written 6,000 or 4,000 years ago, and the New Testament was written 2,000 years ago, you had several thousand years in between the writing of those two books. There was no way the authors could have conspired to map or plan this out. For these prophecies and these parallels to be exact and intricate and side by side is nothing short of miraculous, of a supernatural miracle. You don't don't get this with any other book. Now, two lesser punishments were suggested than death. We had the pit and uh, being sold and being a prisoner and being swapped out and being scourged. So in Genesis 37, 22, it says, Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit uh, that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. And Genesis 37, 27 says, come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers uh, listen uh, listen to him. Compare this with John 18.39. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release to you the king of the Jews? In John 19.1, then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. So there was alternate alternate punishments uh, suggested other than death. Now, as I also read in Matthew 12, 40, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So again, Joseph was in the pit. Tradition says three days and three nights. And Jesus was in the heart of the earth in the tomb three days and three nights. But, you know, you had this alternate to death. But ultimately, Jesus did die on the cross, right? Ultimately, it was believed that Joseph died because when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy grain from none other than Joseph himself, whom they didn't recognize, and Joseph says, well, tell me about your family. Who are you? Where do you come from? And they said, we have a brother at home and a brother who is not or who is no more. They believed that Joseph, he couldn't have survived. He was too much of a pretty boy. He was a cocky 17-year-old who thought he was going to be king over us. He was soft. There was, he was daddy's favorite. He was pampered. There's no way he could have survived slavery. They believed Joseph was dead. Now, Joseph pleaded for his life to his brothers, and Jesus pleaded for his life to God, but was silent after his arrest. In Genesis 42, 21, Then they said to one another, Truly, we are guilty concerning our brother. Because we saw the distress of his soul, and uh, when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now, it's interesting that they didn't listen to Joseph's cries. There's other extra-biblical literature that says that while he was in the pit crying out for, for salvation, for being saved, not for them to do this to him, they were killing and slaughtering lambs of the flock and just having a, a, a lamb roast right near the well, ignoring his cries, just as much as the Roman soldiers ignored Jesus' cries of pain and agony on the cross. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before the shears, so he didn't open up his mouth. 
This was prophetic of standing before Pilate where he just didn't defend himself. And in Acts 8.32, it says, Now the passage of the scripture which, is, which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep. So in Acts, it's just quoting what I just read in Isaiah 53.7. Now in Matthew 26.39-42, it says, And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but your will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And in Luke 22, 41 through 44, it says, And he withdrew with them from about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he began to pray. Now, Jesus was by himself a stone's throw away when he began to pray. So how did we get his prayer recorded in the Gospels? He must have been praying loud enough for Peter to hear him because Mark is actually Peter's Gospel. He dictated it to Mark. And a lot of the other Gospels were modeled after Peter's Gospel. Through Mark, of course. And he withdrew from a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, uh, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Now, we also see in comparison with Joseph and Jesus, Yosef and Yeshua, that, the two, that two leaders acted as judges. In the case of uh, uh, Joseph, it was Reuben and Judah, and in the case of Yeshua, it was Pilate and Herod Antipas. So in Genesis 37-21, but Reuben heard this and rescued him out of the hands and said, let us not take his life. And Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Genesis 37, 26. And in Luke 23, 1, it says, then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. And of course, Pilate was trying over and over to rescue him. He says, I find no fault in this man. I find no basis for your charges. And then in Luke 23, 8, we have Herod Antipas, where he was brought before Herod Antipas. Now, the comparison goes even further. Leaders finally gave in to peer pressure and went along with the plot. In Genesis 37:31, so they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And in Mark 15:15, 15, 15, wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. And remember Yeshua. Yeshua is the son of the Father, right? That's what the name Barabbas means. Bar Abba, son of the father. Barabbas was a counterfeit son of the father. Jesus was the original son of the father. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Goat's blood was sprinkled on Joseph's coat. Jesus, our scapegoat, our Passover lamb, had his own blood sprinkled on his own coat. The Passover, animal, the Passover animal could be either a sheep or a goat. Um, scourged caused bleeding. 
All right, so in Exodus 12, 5, it says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. In Leviticus 16, 8, Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot as the scapegoat. And there's another allusion to Jesus and Barabbas again because Barabbas was let go and Jesus was, was killed. Genesis 37, 31, So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are in fact unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Very, uh, I just can't get over the parallels. Like I said, there's over 100 parallels, but over the next couple weeks, we're going to try to cover uh, approximately 70 of them, some of the most detailed and the most prominent. So in regards to Joseph and Jesus, false stories of their death were told to deceive many for a long time. So it says in Genesis 37, 31 through 33, So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the multicolored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it and see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph surely has been torn to pieces. And his brothers didn't correct him. They went along with this lie saying that he was dead. Well, the same thing with Jesus. He was dead, but he came back to life again. But when he resurrected, you had several people trying to keep the story quiet. In the Gospels, we read about the, the, the uh, Pharisees going to Pilate and say, Look, you know, Jesus kept saying he's going to rise from the dead. What if his disciples come in the middle of the night to take him? I want you to post guards and make the tomb secure so that that won't happen. But yet it happened where Jesus rose from the dead and they still started spreading that rumor anyway that his disciples took the body. They even bribed the Roman guards to spread this false story, which didn't hold any water because if a Roman soldier lost a prisoner in their custody, it would be their life for the prisoner's life. So all of the Roman soldiers guarding Jesus' tomb should have been put to death, but the Jewish Pharisees and the scribes said, don't worry, take this money and just shut up about it and start spreading the story. We'll go to your superiors and make sure nothing bad happens to you. So these Roman soldiers lived and perpetuated this lie and this false story of of Jesus' demise. And both... Joseph and Jesus were taken to Egypt as youths and escaped de- after escaping death. In Genesis 37, 28, Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. So as a 17-year-old, Joseph went to Egypt, and he escaped death because his brothers were going to kill him and they decided to sell him. And in Matthew 2, 14, we see, So Joseph got up and took the child and Mary his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. So both Joseph and Yeshua both ended up in Egypt. And they grew up there for a short time. Now, one interesting thing that I never really did think about until this show came out, The Chosen. You can get the app on your tablet or phone, or you can look it up on uh, YouTube, and you can see full episodes of the first season of The Chosen, and it's talking about Jesus' life. What well, shows Jesus speaking to somebody in Egyptian. And I never thought of it before, but it's like, yeah, if Jesus grew up in Egypt, he knew Egyptian, 
He also knew Aramaic because that was the common language. He was a Jewish boy, so he learned Hebrew. So he at least knew three languages, at the very least. I mean, gosh, most of us barely know two. Most of, I mean, I barely know English well. Oh, I wish I was just gooder at English. <laughs> okay. All right, so um, also, Joseph and Jesus both became servants. In Genesis 39, 1 and 2, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, captain of the bodyguard, brought him from, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his, of his master, the Egyptian. Compare this to Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Philippians 2, 7 says, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made into the likeness of men. So we've covered close to 30 different parallels between Joseph and Jesus, Yosef and Yeshua. So we're going to stop right there for, um, for today, and we're going to pick it up next week and continue on the comparison between Joseph and Jesus so you understand more fully why the, the, the rabbi said that there's two messiahs, one messiah son of Joseph and one messiah son of David, and we as believers know that they're one and the same. That Jesus came first as Messiah, son of Joseph, the suffering servant to die on the cross. And he's coming again as Messiah, son of David, to be that conquering king that everybody expected the first time when he came during the Roman occupation. And so I'm hoping that this parallel between Joseph and Jesus, Yosef and Yeshua, will help us, uh, will, will make the story of Joseph when we actually go through the different chapters, make it more richer. Make it more meaningful for you that as you read it, these things will jump out at you and you will understand together collectively the story and the life of Joseph that much more as we compare it of that with Yeshua. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the powerful, powerful word and the powerful comparisons. Uh, same book, but the writings are thousands of years apart, but yet they, are, they, they, they seamlessly go together. Side-by-side -side comparisons, almost exactly, and it, this couldn't be forged, this couldn't be manipulated, this, this couldn't be planned out by any human agency or any human being. So this just testifies to the supernaturalness of your word, and we praise you and thank you for it. May we continually, as we go out through these next through a few weeks studying the comparisons between Joseph and Jesus, even become more awestruck and become more enamored with your word and the supernatural quality of your word and the power of your word, that it would deepen our faith and deepen our connection and deepen our relationship with you, O oh God, through your Son. We love you and praise you and ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.